and welcome to Saladcast. Myself, Ollie Warner and Glyn Price. Hi, Glyn. How you doing? I'm all right. It's a new year, Ollie. Into 2019. So yeah, it's a it's a wide new world for us this season, isn't it? Looking forward into transfer windows and two games to cover this week. Lots going on in there. Yeah, there's lots going on, and um, yeah. Two probably not the most um, entertaining <laughs> games this week, um, but we'll do our best. But fortunately, we've got the transfer window to add a bit of entertainment into the pod. Um, so I didn't go to Fleetwood game. I was in Northumberland. Yep. I did listen to um, BBC Shropshire Radio for I Follow. Um, to the, the Fleetwood game. Was pretty dull. And, yeah, Commiserations, Fleet, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, so I was quite... For, I, think I, I think I was probably the fortunate one well, yeah, going true. to that one. Um, I was d- doing some exploring in Northumberland <laughs> at that point. So, yeah, so you can guide us through that, Glenn. And then we both went to the Stoke games. There's a few interesting points to talk there. So, yeah, I guess we should just jump into the action. Sean Wardy then, from 12 yards, scores! Cool penalty. Cool. So Tuesday, first of January, first game of the year. No goal scorer in this one for either team. <laughs> so yeah, it's gonna be interesting one to get your thoughts on this one, Glenn. Attendance was five thousand nine hundred nineteen. Um, did Fleetwood bring many fans? No, they never do though, do they, Fleetwood? So yeah, no. it's, they're just a very small club with a very rich owner, aren't they? And um, doesn't seem to matter what they do and how they progress in the football league. Their attendances don't seem to really grow away from home. So um, no, they didn't bring many. But to be fair, it was it was a, it was probably not worth the trip anyway. So they, they did well staying at home. Yeah, fine. <laughs> That's a, yeah, as 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 did I. <laughs> so um, yeah, any stats, Glenn? Um, I suppose well, in terms of stats, one of the things I saw someone tweeting about was it was interestingly one of the the clashes. It was the youngest matchup of managers um, in the football league this season, and including the Premiership as well. So obviously you had Barton as the manager of Fleetwood, who's thirty six, and Ricketts, our manager, who's only thirty seven. So interesting to see young managers sort of blazing a trail for um, you know young English managers as well blazing a trail in the football league. And yeah, you know, two young managers going head to head failed to produce the spectacle it might have done, but um, that was that. A draw. Would have moved, a draw in the game obviously moved us three points above the relegation zone, which is not ideal, but it does show how tight the league is as well, Ollie, in, in that situation that we're not very far off. I think it's 13th place either. So if we'd have won that game, we could have gone up to one of our highest positions of the season. So it's very tight in that midfield at the moment. Um, and obviously the other stat was we were obviously looking for revenge after losing away from home. So yeah, no real you know, real stats there. But it is interesting to see us, you know, we are one of those teams now with we're starting to be quite a few teams with young managers, Ollie. Yeah, it's quite interesting. It's good, isn't it, that we've got a manager who's interested in, in terms of obviously Premier League experience and working his way through and I think it's interesting I think it's good to see managers doing it at a lower level I know obviously Gerard and that and Lampard have kind of gone up and kind of gone at a higher level yeah. but I think I think you learn a lot managing at this level and I think it's a great place to kind of make you know your mistakes in inverted commas mm. and kind of not in the in the media and obviously we've seen how easily a manager can kind of go out of favour yeah so no I think it's interesting for for both of them obviously our manager's not as say high profile as, as Joey Barton no uh, that's probably a good thing no hopefully he doesn't do anything that makes him as high profile as Joey Barton so um, that was interesting as well which is just our manager Ollie. did you see that um, Graham Coughlin's got the Bristol Rovers job today which is interesting to see an ex-town player interesting manager one. Yeah. does it make you feel old now that players that we've seen play are now managers it made me feel really old to see Darren Curry managing Barnett to a famous FA Cup win this weekend that was because he's obviously was was young when I was young as well. And it, yeah, that's it's starting to make me feel pretty old, Ollie. But um, you know, I'm not I'm older than Ricketts is anyway, so that's just bad enough as it is. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's there's always that time, isn't there, when you break through that you can no longer be a player. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're all long past that, aren't we? But um, there we go. So on to the Fleetwood game, Ollie. Um, yeah, probably just worth starting with the team lineup. It wasn't anything particularly shocking. Same as we've seen recently with Arnold in goal, Bolton, Sadler, Waterfall, Haynes at the back. Um, so Haynes has been keeping his place in recent weeks. 
the diamond of Grant, Norburn, Doherty and Laurent as the forward man in that diamond. And then Holloway and Fay up front. Obviously, slightly different to what we had at Sunderland. But, you know, there was a few reasons for that illness and um, I think tactical reasons why we changed the team around. But we went back to our sort of usual diamond formation, really. I think that's what everyone was expecting. Yeah, so how did you feel, Glenn? Obviously, it was New Year's Day. Um, and I, it was pretty <laughs> chilly up in Northumberland. Was it cold in Shropshire too? How, let's start with how was I feeling. I, <laughs> I had a horrendous hangover. <laughs> You're coming across as a bit of an alky. I know, podcast, it's terrible. I, for the first two years of this podcast, I don't think I really drank, but I'm starting to, as my kids are getting older, I'm starting to have more time back to myself and it's becoming a little bit more social again, I think. So I think it's starting to go back to my mid-twenties a little bit. But yeah, New Year's Day, you can't really can't really blame me for that. Um, so yeah, I had a hangover. I got out of bed at two o'clock. I walked, well, it wasn't, yeah, it was two o'clock. It was three o'clock kickoff, wasn't it? Got out of bed at two o'clock, walked to the ground, sat there, watched a terrible game of football, walked home, went back to bed. It was one of those sorts of days, Ollie, to be fair. So um, I suspect quite a few town fans did that. And uh, to be honest with you, watching that game for two hours felt like it was making my hangover worse. It was that bad of a game, Ollie. So, um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> that was how I was feeling. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny because um, it was in- like, obviously Stuart Dunn and Mark Elliott doing the commentary. And I both I, I enjoy listening to their commentary. But after the game, I was like, what actually happened? I'm like, I don't actually really know. No. Nothing really happened. Because no. their, their commentary is so good. Like... I don't know, I didn't really focus on that. I wasn't trying to, and I was just enjoying listening and kind of seeing the sight, so I wasn't really focusing too much. But when I look back, I was like, I can't remember anything that they said. It must be hard to commentate on a game like that. You must have to talk yeah. about scores at other grounds a lot and, you know, fill it out because there was a lot of times it was just being passed around midfield and nothing was really happening. But there we go. There was another person sat in the stands, Ollie, who didn't probably have a hangover, or I, I suspect not, was Harry Burgoyne, um, the Wolves youth goalkeeper, um, who is from Ludlow, I believe. So that was interesting. I believe that Ricketts has known him from his time at Wolves and has kept in contact and left him some tickets on the on the gate and he came down to watch the game, which was interesting. But in the post-match interviews, I think you might come to that later on, that he sort of, he sort of just said, look, there's nothing in it really. But interesting if something developed from that as well, I suppose. Yeah, it's interesting to see when we get to transfer news. And yeah, it's interesting. Quite a lot of fans have mentioned goalkeeper. So that's something for us to discuss yeah, yeah. Um, in Salad News. Um, so how did the game go, Glenn? You've said it wasn't so much great. So I guess there wasn't too many highlights. No, it's not going to take too much time to go through this. I mean, I haven't really, you know, normally we go through all the key moments and half chances and stuff. There wasn't really much that went on in the game, to be honest with you. So I'll, I'll run through a sort of few talking points, really. But yeah, for me, nothing happened in the first 15 minutes at all. It was really New Year's Day, dull turgid tired teams having a go at each other and you could tell after 15 minutes it was like that um the ball was just being knocked around in central midfield look both teams were making mistakes to be honest with you and it, it was just incredibly dull and it took until about 15 minutes for the first real chance of note in the game and it did come from Salah when we did a little bit of nice play and Faye had a snapshot but that, that was really the best of the open exchanges um Bolt's got booked on 30 minutes for for clattering into Paddy Madden which was which was fair I mean you know even look at Madden and the way he played against us in the first game and how he's played for other clubs he was just quiet didn't do anything in the game as well so it wasn't just town that were that were dull and, and making the game poor it was it was both teams just looked really abject at times um and I'd say for that opening period first 20 we were in slight control I think the, the closing 25 minutes the first half Fleetwood were probably in slight control but the game was just pretty even there wasn't much in it um one of the things I picked up on, and I've noticed this in a, a week or so ago on the podcast, was that Ricketts isn't afraid to shout quite loudly. And when there wasn't much of an atmosphere and there wasn't really much going on in the game, you do notice it even from the West End. But he was certainly battering the players at one point during about the 20-minute period. Um, and he clearly wasn't pleased with what he was seeing. And it's, it's good to see he's got the, the passion to sort of roar out his instructions to the players. He doesn't just stand there passively from what I've seen. 
Yeah, it's good to see that he's obviously got quite high standards. Mm. Um, you know, if he wasn't happy with their performance uh, and how they were playing, it's obviously the you know the long balls and stuff. It's not what he wants to see, and he wanted to see a lot more from the team. So that gives us a bit of confidence that you know his expectations and standards are high. Yeah, that's good. He's good. And as we talk about Ricketts, really, one of the other things I saw come up in discussions and is, and is worth talking about this game, um, and it's particularly noticeable during these opening exchanges um, as the first half went on. Was you know we, we briefly talked about it again on the podcast the week a little bit of a, a glimpse into a long ball style of football coming into watching sort of Sam Ricketts Shrewsbury Town how we've evolved really in the last three or four weeks and you, you couldn't say that that isn't the case during this game Ollie it was very much long direct balls up to, to Holloway or well should have been up to Holloway a lot of the time they were up to Faye um, and it was very poor to watch Ollie you know we'd seen glimpses of it in other games but it was prevalent in this match to be honest um, and all it meant was we had no flow it was disjointed wasn't wasn't great to watch and it took our strongest point of the game which is our central midfielders out of the game a lot of the time they were just watching balls sail over their head and it was obvious that this was annoying them because Norburn went from sort of after 20 minutes sort of being in the game he just suddenly started running hard trying to get in the game and chasing people down just trying to get the ball because he just wasn't seeing any of it because of the long ball style we were playing and it and it basically wasn't working and um and, and it was and it was poor to watch really so interesting we're starting to see that happen a little bit more at the moment aren't we yeah and I guess time will tell whether yep. this is Ricketts style or not I hope not <laughs> and I don't think it is. No. Uh, but it's obviously what we're seeing now. Um, so obviously, you know, it's not his team at the moment. So do you think that's his style, Glenn? Or I guess we don't really know yet, do we? We've only seen a few games. Is it what he just thinks he can implement to get results with these players he's inherited? Or are the players know. not following his instructions? That's why he was getting Possibly. annoyed. Possibly, yeah. And he made a lot of subs in, at the start of the second half. So there we go. It was clear that maybe things weren't working quite as he wanted. But it's interesting that it's happened in a few games now. And as I say, it was probably the most direct we played for a good number of years, to be honest with you, in, in my view. I mean, we used to play a little bit direct under Hurst, but there was still the craft of Nolan and, and a bit more play in midfield. And we've not, we've not been doing it under we weren't doing it under ASCII we were trying to play football weren't we but it's interesting how we've evolved into that team especially in this game but maybe it was just for tired legs and they said look let's just try this in this one game and go back to it because I don't think it was as prevalent during the Stoke game so just wanted to keep an eye on because I saw a lot of fans talking about it um, so that was that best move of the half really was another one from Salop where we had a good counter attack um, a few players involved um, ball landed to Laurent but he, he wasted the chance and we've talked about his finishing not being the best over the last few weeks and it's, it's continuing that way um, didn't notice a lot of town fans moaning but I put that down to hangovers and the fact it was New Year's Day and the fact that people just weren't enjoying the style of football we were watching I think and it was really cold and it was pretty cold yeah it wasn't great um, and then I've just put offsides exclamation mark and, and this is probably something we'll bring up at the Stoke game as well but we really are being offside a lot at the moment and again one of the things I think that Ricketts has done is played is, is forcing the strikers to play right on the limit on the line because we weren't really being offside in much in those opening games this season and we really are starting to be offside a lot in these games now so again is that another thing that he's wanting he's wanting players to play on that line and get a break in on one on one if he is that's fine but he, our players just need to get up to speed with it because really across these two games I've seen that we're going to cover we've been offside way too many times yeah offside is a bit of a, a frustration isn't it it's happens happens a lot in the last few games so I don't know whether it's just teams are thinking it's a tactic that one team has tried and people are watching the videos and, mm. and kind of employing yeah. it offside traps you know it's, it's not something you see that often I don't know whether yeah but it's just something that we're working on but it's, it's not quite working at the moment is that the timing yeah. isn't quite right no. people were getting really annoyed around me after I'm about during, during the first half about it it was just it was so frustrating when we did put a decent attack together we didn't even get a chance to mess up our final ball which is then another problem um, we were just getting caught offside so attacks were just breaking down straight away so there we go that was it first half Norburn I said tried hard to influence it but no one, no one really got in the game the defence were pretty solid you've got to give them credit but that was it the, the only positive thing to come out of the first hour in the in the ground was that Wally was on the mic at half time doing the golden gamble draw and he said he'll be back in a week which is positive to hear so um, yeah that, that was about it for the first half um, 
So as I said, Ollie Ricketts clearly wasn't very happy. Made some changes at half time. It took off Grant uh, for Gilead. And we went more attacking, to be fair. Um, so we sort of played a sort of prong, three-pronged attack then, a little bit like we did at Sunderland, um, with Gilead on one of the sort of sides, um, and then Holloway up front, and then Faye, obviously, on the other side as well. So, you know, we played the sort of 4-3-3 then, really. Um, and it worked. We, we played better in the second half. Um, I wouldn't say we played well. We just played better, because the first half was pretty abject. But in all fairness, Fleetwood would just pour throughout the whole game. Um, and, yeah, we had more control and more of a threat. Bolton had a really good chance after about three minutes of that half, which he dragged left just left to the goal. Um, about 67 minutes then Gilly had a good run shot but again just wide he, he did pretty well Gilly had when he came on I've been pretty yeah, harsh I was on him about recently because you've been you've been quite critical of yeah, um, Gilly yeah. at times um, but he but um, certainly Mark Elliott um, was kind of praising him in terms of mm-hmm. impact on the game and it's something that's been there's a lot of been a lot of tweets flying around in the last week and stuff about players and stuff and um, Mark Elliott's quite, you know, he thinks he's a really good player. He just hasn't got that kind of that decision making in him. Um, is that was it evident in this game? Yeah, and some of his decision making was a bit poor in this game as well. But he, he did give us some drive that we needed, and um, you know, was that going clear, past clear people or just or, or just encourage or just really wanting to push forward in his style of play? He just wanted to get the ball and run with it, really, which is what we needed to just unsettle Fleetwood a little bit. So, and that was fine. And and you know, there probably is a player there. I think you know, I was part of that discussion with Mark Elliott. I think this week he was sort of saying that he thought that this squad were technically better than last season's squad and I didn't really agree with that point and we, we had it out on Twitter which is nice but all, all ended as friends but yeah Gilead's one of those ones for me where I just I think that it doesn't really matter how much talent you've got in you if you haven't got the ability to apply yourself in the correct manner and really show drive and commitment to a team you, you are a luxury player in that circumstance to me all the best work I've seen of Gilead is when he's been coming on as a substitute in all honesty so at the moment that's really my role that I see for him is, is an impact sub coming on and running against tired players because he does seem to offer a little bit more there when he started games Ollie, he's been a little bit disappointing sometimes so be interesting mm, to see how he... I thought it was okay yeah yeah slightly different role there I we guess we haven't we haven't yeah. really been given the chance to play ever he's been coming on as that number 10 role yeah he, he played a fair few games at the start of the season under Askey didn't he which is where my initial but we didn't do very well then did no, we we didn't we didn't although we're doing pretty similar now <laughs> there we go um yeah so then brought Angle on for Holloway who I've mentioned Holloway so far but he didn't do very much in the game again um which was disappointing there was a point in the second half which which got town fans really angry where the referee stopped the game, literally stopped the game, so a Fleetwood player could do up his laces, which to me was just diabolical. Isn't really. that the rules, though? I don't know. It probably is a rule, but if it is, it's a stupid rule, for my opinion. If your laces have been undone, it's your own fault. Anyway, but there we go. So that got all the town fans a bit riled up. And then the referee from that point onwards seemed to be quite anti-town. I think towards the end of the game, he, he very much favoured Fleetwood. I wonder if it's because we just annoyed him so much by mocking him for applying what might actually be a genuine rule. So um, that was a bit, bit annoying. He did give us a free kick in the second half which Haynes took um, Haynes should not ever take another free kick that's about as much as I can say about that um, Faye didn't do much in the game at all he was totally outmarked and outplayed we just couldn't get him in the game but not we played a lot of long balls to him which was poor really um, the only really interesting thing that happened in the second half was someone ran on the pitch uh, got a, <laughs> and got a three year ban for it which was obviously a, not really the best way to start 2019 um, and yeah, that was it about it really they announced the attendance of 5 million on the scoreboard which, which raised a smile um, and then Arnold made a late stop to save us losing the game which would have been horrendous because Fleetwood would die so um, there we go that was it groans on the final whistle everyone thought that's 2019 off to a crap start So was it just too many games in this period you think just both teams couldn't have enough to keep keep going our, our lack of fitness again coming into play possibly but I, I would I, I think I expected the players to play better than they did in that game in all honesty Fleetwood were abject at times and were there for the taking and it's just another team we've let off the hook um, there's been quite a few of those this season hasn't there so I, I just think that a combination of yeah maybe fatigue and tiredness and Ricketts mentions that in his post-match potentially but still I don't think that Fleetwood 
were any faster and quicker than us and um, were there for the taking. And it's, it's just a real shame. It's two points dropped, really, in my opinion. So, yeah, there we go. Um, overall view on Fleetwood was nothing. They were awful and, and nothing like they played at their place when they, they beat us 2-1. So um, pretty lacklustre, as I say. That, that was about it, really. I thought Barton probably got his tactics right, though, in terms of nullifying us. So you've got to give him some credit for that. Um, and best player for Fleetwood, no one. No one stood out from either team, Ollie, in this game. Sounds like I missed a good one. Actually, I was looking back. I hadn't missed a game since like the 3rd of November. Oh, right. Um, so, yeah, I'd been on, been on quite a long streak. There you go. To that game. So, yeah, back again now. But, uh, yeah, not one to miss. And a point at home. But, you know, we're slowing to drop down that league yeah. table, aren't we? Yeah, it wasn't great when you looked at some of the other scores. And, and when you look at some of the ways that the other teams down the bottom are starting to take off a little bit, particularly Bradford. So, Teams are starting to put good runs of form. Bradford together. are on a super form. Hopkins is doing a fantastic job there, and yeah, they're they're having a, a fantastic um, you know time at the moment. Yes, it's problems because if any if a few more teams down the bottom start putting runs together like that, we're going to come under serious pressure. And our form's just been consistent across the whole season. If you think about how we're picking points it's up, just been a bit crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we need to have our little pickup period. And much as we had it under coin, and it didn't last long enough really for that to be a, a real significant boost. And also a few of the games we won under coin were um, cup games, weren't they? So we didn't really put too much of a good bit of form together in the league so yeah we need a good run we need a good run um i suppose my top three it's really an interesting be... point actually we haven't really we haven't really had a run all season already you know we had the, the the coin games were kind of FA cup and checker trade we haven't had a run in the league all season um yeah i'm just having a look at it now so yeah Ollie, so as soon as coin took over we obviously won efl trophy then we beat rochdale in the league then we won beat salford then we lost to wickham then we beat plymouth then we did two more cup wins and then we lost again. So we only won yeah. two league games under coin. As I thought, yeah, we just we just haven't got a couple of wins together, have we? We haven't no. gone we haven't gone on an unbeaten run for a bit. Well we think we had a bit of an unbeaten run where we were getting draws, but yeah, we know it'd be nice to win a couple of games back to back. And I guess that's where we're sliding back into that relegation zone because we're only three points away from it now. Yeah, we technically won two games back to back. Obviously, Askey's last league game was AFC Wimbledon. Then we played two cup games and then we played Rochdale in the league and we beat them under coin. So, but it wasn't under the same manager sort of thing. So, yeah, no, no manager yet has put a, yeah. a run of two wins together. So, yeah, that would be important. I'd like to see that sometime soon. But, um, there we go. I was just about to do my top three, Ollie. I, I gave it Waterfall. He was he was he was outstanding in terms of a defensive work, I and mean, I gave it Sadler second. Together, they've become quite a, a, an unbeatable pair at times. Now they're starting to put a real bit of form together. And then again, another player that's been a bit maligned this season. I gave Haynes third place. Um, he was pretty good actually in in the game as well. So, but you couldn't give it to anyone but the defenders in this game, Ollie. The midfielders weren't involved enough because it sailed over their heads. The two strikers or the attacking players in the second half just didn't do enough. Um, Arnold was decent, but he didn't really have anything to do. So it was always going to be you know three of the four defenders in this game, and Bolton probably a bit unlucky to miss out. And then on to the manager, Ollie. Um, yeah, he had a few things to say. I thought he looked like two teams that had celebrated New Year's too much, to be honest. So yeah, I think that was probably fair. Um, we never really got going fully. What you saw was the efforts of teams who played a lot of games. I was delighted with the clean sheet, and I was delighted with the desire from the players to push on. Um, we had a few chances and just a few outside the box. Faye did have a chance. I'm not saying we were brilliant, which is true, but I thought we were the only team stepping on it and trying to win the game, which is just about justifiable comment, I think. Um, we just couldn't get the little bit of final action, whether it be a shot cross or final ball. We need to be a bit better. Now, I like that comment, Ollie, because that's exactly what a lot of town fans have been saying, isn't it? That that's that final bit that we're missing in this team. You know, we might have a decent defence, got a reasonable set of midfielders, but when it comes to those final balls, crosses or shots, we're missing something, aren't we? And that's what's not been in those games. Yeah, we're missing something, whether it's yeah, just final balls, 
decisions and possibly players and yeah yeah good job we're coming to the january transfer window it is and we'll come to that at the end of this but i think yeah that's that's it i'm going to tell Fleetwood. it was dull if you didn't go to that game you didn't miss anything uh, and that's it we'll move on to the slightly more interesting fa against stoke in the fa cup Ollie. in the pitch area Inadovic, the west ham she's her teammate lazzini has to check lazzini still going to get the shot in gracefield lazzini shoots Cool. So, Saturday, um, FA Cup third round against Stoke at home. Mm-hmm. You could tell it was going to be a busy game because, yeah, it was a very busy coming into the ground. I don't know if it was walk- your side to the ground walking in England, but yeah, it was. you definitely sensed there was a, there was a big game tie coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was also interesting walking around the back of the stadium. I got in a bit earlier than my brother. My brother came around and he said he'd walk around the back of the away end and all the Stoke fans were chanting um, anti-Gary Rowett songs already before the game had even started. So I thought that was quite interesting. Obviously, that continued into the game, didn't it? But yeah, they brought a lot, didn't they? And it was a decent atmosphere. Yeah, it was, and they were very noisy as well. We've talked about opposition fans not being very noisy, but fair play to Stoke fans. Yeah, they did good. make um, make quite a lot of noise, and you know, there's there, you know, not that many times at the Meadow we've had opposition fans that kind of almost make that kind of almost intimidating, really loud noise, you know, really raucous, and they really were at times. So fair play to those guys for making a bit of noise, but their players didn't give them a lot to cheer about. Um, yeah. and yeah, they're clearly not happy with Rowlett. Actually, um, Rowlett, she said Rowlett. That's what the Shrewsbury Town team sheet said as well. They misbranded <laughs> Gary Rowlett as, as Rowlett. Gary so Rowlett. You can't mock that. You just said the same thing, Ollie. <laughs> I wouldn't mock the, the club anyway. Glenn. Um, so yeah, so in terms of fans, so they brought 1,525. Um, there was a total attendance of 7,500. So not the greatest turnout from Shrewsbury Town no. fans. They obviously weren't expecting too much. I was a bit surprised by that. I thought it'd be closer to a sellout against playing Stoke City, a big team we've not had down here that many times you know with a few names you've heard of obviously Chris I don't know let's not make excuses it's just not the great attendance is it not great um, but yeah there we go Arnold was in goal um, normal back four we played the diamond but it was that Sunderland formation again yes Gilead on the right John Lewis on the left um, with Laurent playing like that false nine tack midfielder role and I guess you know it wasn't too much of a surprise we were going to play that formation against Stoke who you know, had a decent side out there. Yeah. Um. They had Ashley Williams playing. They have they had McLean on the wings. It's... Um. You know, they had a decent side out. Um. You know, some people said that it was like you know they did rotate rotate a little bit. But for me, that was still a strong soak side and decent side um, for us to compete against. Definitely, and I think that you got. I think Ricketts did the right thing. The tactic he played was was perfect. It worked well at Sunderland in terms of nullifying a, a probably a more talented team than us, um, and it worked well in in terms of nullifying and giving us a platform to build on against Stoke as well. So yeah, credit credit to Ricketts. He, he he is moving the tactics around when they're necessary, and this is clearly his go to formation when we're playing teams that he thinks are probably better than us, and we're going to struggle and we're going to have to maybe play a little bit more on the counter. And, and it's worked twice now to get us a point out of what well, point get us a draw out of two games that look pretty difficult yeah and we started brightly yeah I thought we were definitely the better of the two sides I agree um we were pushing them back and they were really sitting quite deep and I think kind of the theme of the first half was um, Stoke struggling to pass the ball out and they wanted to pass the ball out but they really really struggled um, I have to say that um, there was no extended highlights of this game <laughs> um, so I have re- um, relied on so maybe you could say that the highlights of this game are kind of um, courtesy and sponsored by Lewis Cox because yeah, <laughs> I've used Lewis twi- um, tweet um, feed to kind of remind myself of some of the the, 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 the events of the game so Thanks to Lewis for doing his tweets. So yeah, the first real chance came to McLean where he headed over. Um, and that just kind of showed us, didn't it, that Stoke have a threat. Um, and I think while they didn't play very well, 
Um, you know, at times they were quite dangerous. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot more of the ball and we looked a bit more attractive in terms of our passing and our, our attacking, but we weren't really creating any chances in the opening period. And obviously it was a bit worrying when suddenly Stoke, who'd not played well at all, had been pretty poor in, in general, um, had the first best chance of the game. So showed you they had the quality when they needed it to, to kind of find a little chink in our armour and maybe have that little bit of class that would find a way through. But a theme of the game is when they did have chances, they did particularly, they pretty much wasted most of them, didn't they? So um, that was a positive for Salop. Yeah, it was. Um, and I think think that you know again it's just the same old boring story that we're having to repeat is it's just that final ball isn't it mm. it's just letting us down yeah um, you know we're quite good at being in the ring when opposite to the Fleetwood game this game we're quite good at bringing the ball out getting the ball midfielders um, but just that lack of quality or that, that that final touch was just not was as lacking again which was really really um, frustrating um, and then talking of frustrating 15 minutes into the game Lewis John Lewis was pressing a Stoke man um, and does his knee in the turf um, and he goes and he goes down straight away yeah. I mean, it was happened quite close to us didn't it Glenn and he looked like he was in a lot of pain oh you could hear him screaming couldn't you and, and apparently yeah. people on TV could hear it as well so um, and they were watching the, the, sorry not TV the um, the radio or something said they could hear it I'm not sure whether that's true or not but yeah you could definitely hear it in the West End right in front of where we, we sit in block 17 pretty much and Poor bloke. I, I, you know, I'm no professional footballer, but I did probably what sounds like the same injury. I did my cruciate ligament and my medial ligament at the same time, and, and it put me off being able to do any sport for almost a year and a bit. You know, seriously, um, in terms of just playing Sunday league type football, and obviously footballers are going to recover from quickly. But we've had players have it before. We've had Wozlowski and, and particularly and Knight Percival in recent years, haven't we? Who are two players that we've seen through it. Brown, yeah, Brown as well. Forgetting about that. So to me, it's it's, it's harsh. It happens to all these players, and, and all we all we want to say is first is. We wish the best to John Lewis. You know, we've had a lot to say about him as a player on this podcast, me particularly, um, and it's probably not worth repeating those same things now because all I think we should do as a fan base is wish the guy best, hope he recovers, and hope he still gets to play out the rest of his career. But to me, sadly, it might be the last time we've seen him play because I can't imagine he's going to get back from that by the end of the season and then he's out of contract. And as we've seen, we we, we might not, you know, there's not many of those players that had those knee injuries ended up re-signing for us, is there? So, um yeah, it's a real shame for the bloke, though. Yeah, it is a real shame because, and it, and it clearly affected quite a lot of the players. Um, yeah, Louis Cox wrote an article afterwards um, that Grant mentioned that you know all the players are really impacted. Like, so hopefully he has a, has a good recovery, um, and it creates an extra need, doesn't it, in the general transfer window with that injury? Yeah, it, it definitely does, isn't it? It leaves us very much light up top. Well, we were light up top anyway when you look at the players yeah. and how they've been playing, but now it forces that from being a, a sort of secondary issue to possibly the biggest issue for some fans. So, yeah, let's just hope that it all goes well for him and that he is able to play football again. It's his career after all. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to just hopefully yeah, hopefully be around the club and, and supporting us going forward. And Yeah, just a shame. Just a real shame, really. Um, yeah, big, uh, there we go. big shame. Long road of recovery. For exactly. There. there we go. Um, um there we go. So yeah, what, after that, then the game did sort of. There was a couple of minutes where it did go a bit quiet, didn't it? Because I think everyone yeah. had seen that bad injury, and then it did pick up again. Yeah. So Holloway came on, um, and we kind of went to a bit more of a four-five-one with a, uh, an ouched um, target man at front with Holloway. Um, Laurent went onto the one of the onto the wing in the absence of the shop. Yep. Um, and then we had a good attack again. We had a good attack um, led by Doherty, but Holloway was offside. Um, that that theme coming back again, <laughs> and then kind of like summing up like Stoke. Let's have us talk about Stoke for a bit. Stoke really, really underwhelmed me, and they tried to pass the ball out of the out of the back, but they just didn't work at all. They just didn't seem to be able to find a man, and I don't know. It was a very odd performance. Um, you know, you could maybe assume that you know they weren't really trying that hard, but there doesn't so. seem to be a lot of togetherness between their players. There was one bit at one point in the game where the right back missed place to pass to Ince, and the look of disgust he gave the fullback was just like 
yeah, I don't know, maybe just insinuates that they're not really getting on that well. And an example of that was Ashley Williams kind of brought, came the, brought the ball out of the back. He had no one to pass to, decided just to kind of run forward. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, then he has a shot, but it doesn't really kind of work. Um, and yeah, it was just, yeah, it was it was not great. And then, then the Stoke goalkeeper kicked the ball out of play without any pressure. <laughs> and this is when the Stoke fans started chanting something about their manager's style of football. Yeah. I, I, to me, they look like a bunch of players playing under serious pressure. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. you've got a very much a vociferous vocal fan base, and at the moment, all their ire was turned towards Gary Rowett and his style of football. And the interesting thing to me was, even at the end of the game, they're obviously drawn, but it's been a terrible performance. They were really like positive to the players, and the players all went over there. So obviously, they've stuck with the players, but the players must know at the back of their mind if their form doesn't improve, they're going to come under more and more scrutiny. And I suspect some of them already have done. We obviously have only seen them for one game. And and you could see that pressure. Their first touch was awful for a lot of the players, you know, particularly Ashley Williams. He you've never seemed comfortable on the ball. They at went all. hiding, I think. Yeah. I think that you know, so they want to, they were playing the ball like Geeper was playing the ball to centre halves. You know, they're doing that classic modern day thing of the centre halves being spread, fullbacks pushing it really high yeah. and try and pass the ball out. But they were just hiding. They were like, yeah, like I don't know whether Ince was coming in um, in narrow and in the middle, but that part of their tactic, or but whether he was just, yeah, they, it was a very odd style of play. They that were all they over were the shop. Berahino came deep all the time, and he didn't really need to be there a lot of the time. And Eric Peters didn't maybe give him the width. You would have expected someone to have played in the Premiership to have, to have been way better at that at, at a fullback position. And the whole thing just didn't seem very disjointed. And as I say, I think yeah. you know two things. I think they were obviously under pressure, and also I think there is an element of not not playing for your manager there, and it, and it took a trip sub and all the stuff to get them back in the game later on so I certainly think you know I've seen a lot of teams play us this season in League One it looked like a League One game to me that first yeah. half and, and it's poor League One game to be honest with you because we played alright but it's, you know we weren't our greatest either and it was it was open and there were some chances and stuff but I wouldn't say either team were particularly special during that first half no no, no they were and the only the, I guess the kind of the matchup of the game the first half really was um, Haynes versus Ince yes yes um, and I think um, Ince's pace was probably the only kind of uh, threat. Um, threat but also an inkling that you know they were of a higher standard Mm. Um, you know, he he looked uh, he looked when he had the ball and he was dribbling. He looked like a quality player. He um, did, he did. So yeah, so there was five minutes extra time, and which gave enough time for Town to actually pass the ball to a striker in the box, which just hasn't happened that too often recently. <laughs> Not normally there, that's uh, why. <laughs> yeah, and then then there was a clumsy challenge on the back of Holloway. And before we get to um, the pen, um, did you think it was a penalty in real time, Glenn? Oh, of course I did. Yeah, FA Cup, you know, Stoke at home. We scream for it all day. I don't really care whether it was or not, to be honest. I mean, I've not seen a replay back in it, as you say, uh, to be honest with you yet. But on the, on the day, it just looked like a clumsy tackle. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, I wasn't in... sure in real time, if I'm honest. Um, I wasn't sure at all. I thought, mm, that seems a bit soft. Um, but watching it back, it was really clumsy and it was definitely a penalty. Good. And what a pen. Smashed yeah. straight down the Yeah, middle. smashed smashed into the back of the net by Ollie Norburn, who did a, who gave um, some gestures to the Stoke fans, which <laughs> was quite funny. Um, yeah, and that was it, really. Um, the kind of game kicked back off, but that was it. It was half-time and we were pretty chuffed. Went in at 1-0 um, at half-time against, um, yeah, obviously a, a Stoke tie from the Championship. Happy days. Yeah, and we deserved it. I think we deserved to be one and up at half time, to be honest with you. We didn't create too many chances, and they certainly had created less other than long range shots. And I think on the balance of play, we certainly deserved to lead 1 0. Um, and you just felt if we could get another one second half, the way they played in the first half, I thought we would have been game over. So I was just hoping we'd come back out and, and kill the game off, really. Yeah, it was. I thought definitely we deserved it at half time, but I guess the, the thought was what are they going to do? Are they going to come back? But I have to say, I was a bit bored in terms of entertainment factor. Yeah. Um, it yeah. wasn't the best game of football. Um, 
and then um, the kind of just that kind of that kind of lack of quality kind of carried on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot, not a lot happened, and and this is marked by Lewis Cox's tweets where he didn't really say much. Um, until we had an absolute oh, amazing chance. And good tweet from Lewis. Mm. So I'm going to read out what he says. So he said, Great Blake break by Salah. Gilead out to Doherty. Lovely cross, a peach. And Holloway and Mark 10 yards out. Hands, heads over. And he put in capital letters, what a chance. And I thought that's a, a really nice, succinct summary of, of that attack. And what a chance, Glenn. I was just looking at my tweets of this now. This is what I said. I put, this is why we need new strikers. Holloway with a glorious chance after Doherty cross. He has to get it on target at least. He doesn't. So poor. Head in hands from Holloway and head in hands from the fans. That could have been the game. And, and to me it was. It was It was such an easy chance for a big striker that's supposed to be able to head the ball. That And, and it was at a crucial point in the game. What was it, 58 minutes? Stoke was still playing poorly up until this point. It was the game. The game was there to be won. If we'd gone two 0 no fear we'd have been in the hat, looking forward to playing another team in in the fourth round. And it, and it was a good chance. And you know, let's be honest, it's not like that's come out of the blue. He's, he's, we've talked about when you put the ball on his head, Ollie. We gave him credit the other week, saying, "Well, if you, if he finds a good cross, he, he looks all right when you head the ball." Clearly, he's got problems in that department as well, because I've seen him miss a few headers in the last few weeks, and it is a shame. You know, he does try hard, but really. When you're looking at moments like that, they are the difference between a game being won and a game being drawn. And and that is where we're going to talk about it in the transfer window, but we need to have a serious upgrade. Do you think we would have won the game if we'd scored that one? Obviously, irrelevant if the score obviously scored have been 2-1, but like actually the momentum of the game as well. Well, it would have been 2-0 at that point. I think we might have gone on to win 3-0. I think that they might have completely folded, to be honest with you. And their fans, how do you think they might have reacted? They would have gone insane. And it would have been so bad for Rara, and, and that would have been it. I think it just would have been it just would have been sort of the, the nail in the coffin. I'm 100% convinced we'd have won that game. If he'd have scored that header, and, and yeah. yeah, it was a, it was it was the moment of the second half. You can talk about their goal later on, but for me, as a Shrewsbury fan, that was yeah. the moment of the second half. It was I'd, everyone was one of those moments where everyone's actually everyone's looking at each other, going, "Oh my god, how do we not score?" And everyone's standing up, like, "How are we, how are we standing up here?" It but was it, that good a chance. It's not one of those ones where how do we not score? He didn't even get it on target. It's no, almost, no, but I mean, like, like people are wondering how will we not yes. scored? Yeah, but exactly. like, yeah, in terms of disbelief that that you know this should we should have scored there, and it was one of those also thoughts that you feel. We're going to regret that. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking through all the tweets I had then. They're, just, they're all the same. How has he not scored? How has he not got on target? Stunningly wasteful. Um, what else have we got here? How you have to score. You've got to score. It's just like every town fan there was just felt the same way, didn't they? And yeah. um, it wasn't to really be. And, and we still played well after that. We can't say we... Not well. We still played as well as we were playing, which wasn't brilliant. But we still were in the game. I think... Stoke did get a little bit of a chipper from it though and they, they did start to impose themselves on the game a little bit more I think yeah and this is when the loud anti-Rowlett chants kind of kicked in mm. um, there was a lot of kind of anger towards him um, Fact and in the morning. Yeah, Grant and Shrewsbury continuing to frustrate Stoke there was then there was that shout for McLean when he went and had a shout for a penalty never a penalty no um, and, then, and then great from Gilead again um, he beats two men he does a great run and then um, and then Holloway was offside <laughs> again um, I'm not surprised. I mean, we've got to talk about Holloway. He got he got put on as a sub and then subbed off, which tells yeah. his own tale, to be honest with you. Either he was too tired to he's, even play. Oh, he's not, yeah, not fit enough again. <sighs> yeah, and, and either way, it's it's unacceptable. It's the middle of bloody, you know, it's going to be the middle of January soon. How are you not fit enough for the season? Um, and, you know, I, I get the feeling that, I, who am I to judge, but you get the feeling that Ricketts knows that it's it's something that he can look at and that he might want to have someone else starting up front in the games coming up. So, yeah, in, interesting that he got subbed off as well. Yeah, it was. it's not good, is it? It's, our strikers are not performing very well at the moment. Um, with Faye obviously out, Faye was, oh, we didn't mention, but Faye was suspended for this game. He was. For yellow cards. He's back for the um, replay, though, so that's good. Yeah, he will. Um, and then the game kind of changed. Stoke made three changes. Mm. So they Rowett's brought on last Ka- stand, I called it, Ollie. <laughs> so they brought on Doof, Crouch, 
and a young man called Campbell who's a bit of a starlet for them. Yes. And yeah, there was then we still had chances though. You know, that, yeah. even though that those because he basically they played kind of three up top then with Peter Crouch. It was nice to see him play. Um, he is tall. <laughs> it's just even a joke, but he is a massive giant of a man. Um, Gangly freaking. Yeah, and then um, Laurent was through. Um, but then, yeah, tight angle for uh, Holloway, and he, he could have scored again. So another good chance for Shrewsbury, and um, we got a corner from that. And then, unfortunately, Stoke just started to really come in the game, didn't they? They were passing really well, um, and they were moving us around really well. And then, then it resulted with Campbell um, gets one on one with Waterfall. Yeah, um, he absolutely does him for pace. Um, crosses the ball into the box and there's a, a neat kind of back heel cross over your leg kind of mm-hmm. flick from Crouch into the back of the net. I, I, I've got to say, I feel pretty harsh for Waterfall because across the whole of that game, considering we were playing against a championship, which was slightly premiership series of strikers and attackers, he did exceptionally well. Him and Sadler were brilliant. They headed and tackled everything away that whole game and they really stopped them from getting anywhere near our goal and re- resulted in them just having long shots most of the game, didn't they? And I thought he had a really good game. And the, the problem is people will probably say, well, he got pulled out of position, mugged off too easy. That's too easy. You shouldn't get beat like that. And it's obviously led to the goal. But you've got to watch it back. He gets pulled miles out of centre-back, which he doesn't like doing. It's not really his role. And he shouldn't have been out to do it because either... The right winger, or possibly, you know, almost certainly Bolton should have been there and, and having that as his man. So all he was doing was trying to cover a, a gap, and he got out there quickly. Yeah, he got beat a little bit too easy, but he's he's slightly, you know, he's he's a league one centre back against what he's a very talented young player. So I'm I'm going to give him a bit of credit there as well. And I just think, just think, yeah, that's what led to the goal. But I think he was trying his best to get us out of a situation we'd ended up getting into. And I don't, I can't really be too critical of him. And and I think that he has improved dramatically this season. And yeah, just a bit unfortunate. And I don't think we can look at that as one of the gifts that he was given away at the start of the season. That's my view of it anyway. No, unfortunately, I thought we were going to have a big debate about this one. Oh, right. And no, we're exactly on the same page. No, I think no, no. it was just one of, you know, um, defensively, we're, we were a little bit out of shape at this point. But to be fair, we were trying to win the game. Um, and Stoke, you know, and we're saying we're better players, you know, are better move. players. Mm. Um, and they basically just, yeah, did it, you know, this overloaded one of the flanks, classic, you know, passive move, overloaded the flank. And yeah, Campbell is an absolute, you know, is a really highly promising player and, and does waterfall for pace. And, you know, you don't want, you don't want waterfall one-on-one with a young striker like that. Um, he went past him and put a nice cross into the box and Peter Carriage scored. So yeah, I agree with yeah. him. I think, yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be very easy for us to start going waterfalls, this, he's slow and all that stuff. But we know that. And, you know, we know that pace isn't his strength. Actually, both Sadler and Waterfall are both quite slow. And, yeah, they, they moved us around and they were they were good for their goal. So frustrating, really, really frustrating. Um, kicking the um, teeth, yeah. Yeah, kicking uh, the teeth. That's a good, that's a good on, phrase. On Waterfall, what I was going to say as well is that, you know, I'm going to pose the question now. If you take the first 10 games of the season and you look at where we're at now, do you think there's a player that's improved more? from that period to where we are now, the waterfall. Because I really well, do think he's got interesting better. Interesting you the... say improve, and when you were talking before, is it improve or has he just got to the standards he was playing at Lincoln? Well, he was making... No, to me, he was making too many mistakes. He was no, no, but off. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, he oh. came to us, his form went down, he struggled to adapt, and now he's getting to the levels that he was performing, you know, heroics I... for, for Lincoln, and their, their fans are very complimentary of him. Yeah. I mean, improved as a huge retirement yeah, from the exactly. start. Of the his performances, yeah. If you had to rate him, yeah, he, he was getting yeah four and fives at the start of the season, yeah, and now he's getting sevens and stuff. Yeah, and it's not just because he goes up there end and he you know scores a few goals and stuff as well. He has actually got better at his defending. And I think oh yeah, that definitely. There's one I think thing he's that's, settled, doesn't he? And yeah. I think that's the thing. You know, they're, they're people. He's a, you don't I don't know if he's got a family or what. He's had to move. You know, he's got a new team. He was settled at Lincoln. He knew who he was playing with. 
Um, so yeah, I think it's just taking a bit of time. And sometimes, yeah. you know, we as a podcaster and as football fans, you forget that you know there's there's a human element to this, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it does take a bit of time to kind of um, to mould. There's also been a debate as well this week about how there's an indication that we're starting to see improvements in Waterfall, Haynes, Sad, Sad has always started, isn't he? but you know, Bolton's come back in the team and it's, it's probably getting a little bit better. You know, is there an argument to say that Ricketts' defensive qualities as a defender during what was a very good career are starting to, you know, particularly for Haynes who plays in his position, is he starting to learn some things there that are helping his game come forward and are we starting to see players improving under Ricketts? Obviously the results aren't there yet, but maybe there's an argument to say that that might be starting to be defensively mm, something that's I'm coming through. I'm not sure through. that I'd understand Too early, maybe. training Yeah. yeah. For me, yeah. that's why I said, I think I said in a few podcasts ago, almost being not, I think I mentioned it on Twitter, not being in the FA Cup could have been to our advantage. Now, obviously, we'd have played a league game, but well, we've got, we, we'll keep losing um, training sessions in the week. Mm. Um, and I think we need some training. But however that, we probably need training when we get a new team again anyway. So, And at the end of the day, if our game, which is the replay, there's only three replays so far in the FA Cup. So it potentially could be one of the games that gets on TV now. Um, we'll probably find out early next week. But if we get the money from a TV game, then get knocked out by Stoke in the replay, which is probably pretty likely. Then actually, you know, that gives that gives him another fifty grand for the transfer market, maybe more than that. I'm not sure how much you get now, which is exactly what Ricketts will want, really. So yeah, it might would have been nice to go through and get a big game and, and make a load of money out of that. But if we can sneak an, a, a TV game out of the replay, we'll have probably done all right, or just equally as well there, really, in terms of financial financial incentives of where we ended up. So yeah, it'd be interesting. Fingers crossed for that one, Ollie. Yeah. And then I guess there was only just one kind of thing to mention at the end of the game. Um, and Peter Crouch said on his own podcast that he's always elbowed people and got away with it. <laughs> um, so linking that into the fact that um, Sadler went off um, with um, with a cut um, in link- when he was challenging with Crouch, was it was it a bit of a, a classic Peter Crouch elbow? I'm not sure. I couldn't mm. really see what happened, to be honest. But He's just um, so gangly. I suspect that he just elbows people in the head by accident a lot of times. Well, he honest. said that, but he, he, on the podcast he insinuated that yeah, it's not really an accident. But, um... Everyone seems to love Peter Crouch now. It's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's like his the podcast child, is brilliant. Yeah. His podcast is absolutely hilarious. He comes across as a really nice bloke. But yeah, unfortunately for Sadler, he got an elbow there. Or, or maybe he didn't get an elbow. Sad, um, Crouch was saying it's the back of his head, but who knows. Um, that was that draw. Yeah. Uh, it was it was unfortunate, wasn't it? And and we, we were there, what, 18 minutes from, from time? No, 14 minutes, wasn't it? You know, pretty, pretty no, less than that. I think I can't remember what time the goal was now. We have to go back and have a look. I'm looking at other, other things. It was 78 minutes. 12 minutes then. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you were right. We could have got there. Um, And there's an argument to say, why didn't Ricketts take off one of the forward players and play five at the back and just sit on it, you know, with 12 minutes to go? To be fair to Ricketts, he seems like quite quite an attacking bloke. He wants to go and get wins, doesn't he? So, I don't know. It's it's too too easy to be critical about that. I think so. Um, yeah, unfortunate not in a replay, but um, there we go. What was your overall view of Stoke, Ollie? Poor, very poor. <laughs> a team that is struggling. Um, yeah, they're they're not happy with their manager. Um, I was talking to a Stoke fan as we were walking in. He's saying that he's really arrogant and he seems to doesn't seem to have settled or kind of you know build any bridges or relationships with the fans. Um, and their team was really, really poor. Um, I'm not surprised they're 12th um, in the in the championship. I wouldn't be surprised if they were even lower than that, to be honest. Um, yeah. Maybe their quality has just kind of done what they did to us a few times and they got them out of trouble. But I'm not very impressed with them. I guess players that kind of stood out, obviously that Campbell for that one run he did looked that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but for me, Ince kind of stood out. Um, 
but no one really, really stood out. I think Ince was a threat, but Haynes managed him pretty well throughout the game. So I think, so. I think in terms of quality, I thought Ince would look quite interesting, but I don't know, no one really, really stood out for me. No, no one stood out, which is why the player I thought probably had the most effective game for them was Atebo, the central midfielder. Bit, yeah. bit sort of defensive, and he did a bit of a grant job on our attacking players, and he, he was a solid, tidy little player, and you suspect when, when he's on his game a little bit better, he's probably a decent little player. But I, I agree, Ince was decent as well, so Atebo was anyone who stood out to me. For me, more 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 than that, I was interested in, in saying, of the two Stoke players I was you know, more aware of than anyone were probably two of the most disappointing. I thought Ashley Williams for for you know international centre half, his touch and it was shoddy. And my mate uh, Jerry, that's next to me, he's an Everton fan, and I kept saying I can't believe how poor he is. And he was like, obviously watching Everton, he's like, you're trying to tell me like that the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> We've known this for years, but so I was surprised him. But I was also really disappointed in Bejarino playing up front. You know, he's supposed to be a, a kid that's still got a big future ahead of him, and he didn't even stand out in a game against a League One team. And I can't help but feel like his career is only going to go in one direction, really. Yeah, he wasn't overly impressive, was he? <laughs> was not no, no there we go so, so in terms of um, our players I did a match um, I did a vote of man of the match on the Salah Custer account I've done that before um, Grant won with 67% I put Haynes and Sadler on there um, they were, I was thinking at the time but actually I've changed my top three so yeah you, um, so yeah so the Street Town fans on Twitter for the Salah Custer account gave Grant man of the match but who was your top three I don't think there's been a clearer man of the match in a Shooter game I've seen this season, which is pretty much all of them, than Anthony Grant this weekend. He was just so far ahead the best player we've got at the moment. Uh, it's not even funny. He's absolute class. He just he shines in every game. But the way he can win free kicks is so important to a team like us that are trying to get, especially in a game like that when you're trying to relieve the pressure. But not just that. Every time he got the ball, he didn't panic once against team players of what, what are supposed to be a... He does some a, nice little chip <sighs> passes down into the fullbacks and then launches, which launches a counter-attack. Yeah. And then he's not he's not afraid to put his head in. He's great in the tackle. He's a strong bloke, but he's just so comfortable on the ball. He's almost like Nolan was comfortable on the ball, wasn't he? You could give him the ball and he'd hold it off, and then he would do his tricks and things. He's almost like the defensive midfielder version of Norburn, uh, sort of Norburn of um, Nolan for me. He, he possesses just as good feet and technical ability on the ball as, as Nolan did for me. So I thought he was fantastic. Um, and then I gave as, as the fan, as the Salakast account did. I gave Haynes second place. Um, again, I just think he's improving week on week, and he was marking ints as you said, and he kept him very quiet. And then I. I went for Sadler, but I would have given third place to Waterfall if he hadn't have got involved in the goal and he, as he did. Again, we've been not very harsh on him, but that's that's how close he was to my top three. I thought he had a really, really good game, um, but just for the fact that him and Sadler were probably equally as good, um, Sadler probably kept his nose a bit cleaner on the goal, so I gave it Sadler third place. Yeah, um, so I went for Grant first, Haynes second. Um, Haynes is really coming on, isn't he? He's, he's looking better and better yep. as each game yep. goes by. Um, so hopefully that could be a, maybe a long-term fix for the left-back. Um, and then yeah. I went for Ollie Norburn third. Um, no one in an attacking sense was good. And, you know, we spoke after the game, you were a bit confused what I said. I thought Town were, were very, very good defensively. Apart yeah. from obviously that one error, but you know, against a good Stoke side, we were very good all game. We were pretty good for most of the game, apart from yep. that one time. But attacking-wise, oh my God. It's so frustrating at the moment watching Shrewd <laughs> It's awful. Yeah, it's diabolical at times. Poor decision-making, offsides. Oh, We've not even really mentioned Laurent, Ollie. He's very ineffective in most of the yeah, roles. Yeah, m- most players are. I don't know. Really, I don't think he's been playing in his best position. No, no. I just don't think anyone can get a tune out of each other at the moment. Um, I agree with Norburn though. He, he worked he really, really put hard. Put a real effort in, didn't he? Yeah. I think he was a bit harsh to get booked, but you know he had yeah, a right maybe. battle, ding dong, and he really helped kind of set the tone of the game. Um, and I thought he had he obviously has really scored a nice penalty, but I wasn't even thinking of the penalty when I put him third. I put yeah. him third for his effort and his willingness, and yeah, you know. There was a few times where Doherty did a few nice balls and obviously he could have had an assist, but 
attacking wise that needs a big big focus um, yep. on the training ground it does we'll get to that in a minute anyway we yeah. won't watch the training ground I think it's it's beyond training ground I think yeah, we're into is, yeah. we're into recruitment aren't we but um, there we go uh, finish it off with Sam Ricketts really he was yeah. pretty pleased wasn't he yeah he was really pleased with standard performance we set in standards and which one to maintain it's one of his, 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 his um, one of his nice little sayings um, our goalkeeper only had one save to make um, you know he thought we had the better chances you know and it's a te- testament to us they had to make um, triple substitutions um, so yeah you know you know not a decent vibes from Rickers but nothing really um, outstanding nothing to write shout home about um, so yeah that was it so we've got a replay again haven't we we have and as I said there's, there's at the moment there's three three draws that so could be one of the TV games although I was just having a look now and, and just you know some people tweeting about it on, online and people saying well it's more likely to be Blackburn versus Newcastle and Southampton versus Derby which is true but none of those are really a lower league team with a chance of a cup shock so you know, potentially it's a chance, but no issues really now. Unlucky we get with things like that. I doubt it will be. So um, there we go. And I suppose that's it. End that end that week really. Two very different draws. Uh, one slightly more interesting than the other one. But um, yeah, it doesn't really move us on this season, does it? it sort of no. Sort of stay actually, where we one are. thing I forgot to say, Glenn. When was the last time we scored a goal in open play? Oh, now you're asking me. Because um, obviously we didn't oh. score at Fleetwood. We scored a penalty. Um, against Stoke. Waterfall at Sunderland. That was a set piece. No set piece, yeah. Then we got going back another one. Norburn at Aki, Penn. Hollywood, Hollywood, Holloway at Coventry. What was that? That must have been the last one. Yeah. So that's what? So just, one, two, so three, it's four, been a while, hasn't it? Four, five games ago. Yeah, so it's been a while since... And that just kind of, just for me, is a, a good piece of evidence that our attacking players... It's not, isn't it's not great. But well, anyway, sorry, I just wanted to mention that. No, it's interesting. You know, I mean, a striker hasn't scored for five games either, which is an no. interesting stat as well. And Faye's so. been out for a few games. Yeah. So, yeah, t- attacking-wise is something that definitely need to move on. So, well, yeah. just, on, just on stats, while we're looking at it, we haven't scored two goals for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six games, seven games. I can't remember. I'm looking at stats yeah. now, but we've only scored one game, uh, one goal in all those games, other than Saturday where we didn't get any. So, um, sorry, Fleetwood where we got near zero. So, yeah, there's quite a, quite a long run now without scoring two goals in a game, which is interesting as well. Work needed. And, cool. yeah, and with that, we'll move on to Salop News. And the final whistle is blown. What a day for Kevin Ratcliffe getting victory against his old team cool so silent news so obviously in the January transfer window um, last podcast we talked about what we wanted so we've got some interesting tweets and comments from fans Glenn uh, mm-hmm. so that's good yeah. to share yeah. but before we kind of go on to what the fans um, um, yeah there's a couple of um, a couple of exits Charlie Colcott gone back to Chelsea I suppose that's fair enough I mean he's not playing so there's not really any point in continuing that loan is there and I suspect he might be one of a, a couple more loan players that might go back if they're not playing you know Joel Coleman Emmanuel what's the point of really keeping them if they're not playing and, and Ricketts has got you know other options in other positions so I suspect that might be the first of the loan players players to go back and then obviously Zach Jules Ollie um, which was just a punt by the look of it that didn't turn out and obviously here for a season and a half and didn't ever play a competitive game for us so couldn't have gone much worse for him could it no um, <laughs> never saw him play so not really much to say um, Rin Morris has returned he couldn't apparently yep. he couldn't agree a deal with Wickham um, so he's come back um, Sam Jones is at Cheltenham and he'll return Hendrew has been at Grimsby he'll return and Arthur Gunua has been at Fylde, who scored, I think he scored on the weekend. He'll he be did, back yeah. soon as well. He so, did. obviously, a decision on those three players as well um, to go for. And obviously, we've got the thing we said about um, Dave Edwards last week in terms of, you know, all this flirting with each other. But I think there was something in the press this week that, Ed, that Ricketts had said no formal contact has been made. So, whatever's going on, um, I think it's still reliant upon whatever um, Reading are trying to do with Dave Edwards, isn't it? I think we're just waiting in the wings. But as I said, as I said to some of my friends at the weekend, if he does have his contract terminated, he's definitely going to come here because. 
Why would he go and play for another League One club now if he's so desperate on playing for Salah? If he went and signed for Peterborough for two years for more money, fair enough. But that's it. That's his chance to play with Shrewsbury Con, isn't it? He's not going to come back here at 34. So it's now or never, really. Um, so to me, once that deal's done at Reading, he's got to he's got to be coming here, hasn't he? I hope so. Especially as I did a tweet, uh, he's coming <laughs> home a few days ago. <laughs> well, there's a so lot hopefully. of people. A lot of people saying, oh, he's definitely doing this, he's definitely doing that. But, you know, I haven't heard any solid rumour that it's happening yet. But apparently people know, but I've, I've not seen anything. So there we go. But in terms of last week, obviously, one of the other things I thought was interesting was Ricketts was asked about the transfer window. And he did highlight striker as one of his main priorities, Ollie, which is what I said last week. Okay, and you, I don't, you I don't it was, heard that comment. Yeah, you thought it was slightly less of a priority. And I think it's, as I said, with John Lewis's injury now, it's even more of a priority. So I was quite happy to see uh, <laughs> to see the manager agreeing with my analysis of what we need. But no, there we go. I, what did other people have to say? It's interesting you say that um, and yeah I did a tweet I put it on Facebook and I put it on Twitter as well you know I said you know what positions do you want to uh, strengthen or um, you know recruit for and Andy Davis um, came through with a tweet and said is there a position that we're set at mm. you know it's, I think it's a good way of turning it around he basically saying that you know we could add we could do with some pace in the team but you know there's lots of players positions that we could improve at yeah um, and yeah so Nathan Cavan um, said that he wants a keeper and a striker. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then also Dale Skip was saying that he needs a striker, uh, maybe a new keeper. Um, and, and then he said, went on to add about a, key, a winger, a striker, probably a left-sided defender. Uh, Matthew was saying that he creative, needed a creative game changer. Yes. He sent a half and a new goalkeeper, a keeper, a defender, and above all, a striker. And then um, Dave um, on um, Facebook said, a keeper, a left-back, a left-winger, a central forward. Um, we don't need any central midfielders, but he'll take Dave, Ed- Dave Edwards. Interesting that Dave, you just said that last comment there, Dave Sandbrook said he would like a centre-forward, brackets, a Jameel Matt-type player. I watched that Newport game today. He's a pretty decent little player down at Newport. Yeah. And you look at Newport strikers, they're not doing very well. They're doing all right in League 2, aren't they? But... Both their strikers have got like 15 plus goals already this season, and one of them's like 32. I'm not sure we'd be looking at him, but that Jamil Matt's the other striker, and he's already got like 15, 16 goals. It does show you that you know there are clubs where strikers go and score goals. Do you know what I mean? And you know we just never get players that get that many goals. It's it's always like 10 to 12 goals a season for a striker. I'd love someone to come here and Grant Holt it and score 20 plus in a season. We've had you know James Collins, Luke Rogers, Grant Holt. Um, you know, and, and probably one or two others in the last 20 seasons that have scored more than 20 goals in all competitions in a season, which is terrible for a football club. Our fans crave a striker that knows how to put the ball in the back of the net regularly. And whether it's because of tactics over a series of managers or just the curse of Shrewsbury Town on strikers, it just never happens. So I can, I can understand why everybody thinks we need a striker. Yeah, and I think, I think to, back to Andy Davis's point, there's no, there's no position um, apart from maybe right wing when Wally's fully fit. Um, that you wouldn't take an upgrade. Yeah, I mean you've got cover for Wally Bagilly, haven't you now? So that's fine, I suppose. But, but it's still, a side, but for me, yeah, it's interesting. Still, that... But do you think you could pr- improve on Wally on Gilead? It's potent. There's the potential there that. You well, could I'm saying Wally's well. probably the only player that I think would you probably would not try to strengthen in terms of you know he's probably as good as you can get for League One. But yeah, strikers, midfielders, and I think it's interesting as well that everyone was kind of basically kind of you know you take all those collective of all those different opinions and basically most people have talked about most positions on the pitch the only position people haven't really talked about is central midfield because mm. uh, we've got a lot of them and they are of, of a decent enough quality and I think if you build the, the bit in front of them and behind them in a slightly different way maybe a little bit better that you'll see even more coming from those midfielders so I think potentially that is the only position we're set at but then obviously you'll might bring Dave Edwards in who's a central midfielder so you are you are still working in that area aren't you so it, it is interesting it, and you know you, you look across the rest of the fan base on, on sort of social media as well and everyone's sort of got a different view of what we need um, to me it means 
personally, I think we'll see so many ins and outs, it'll be more surprising than we think. I think there'll be a lot of movement in this transfer window, Ollie, and I think we'll see probably players coming in in all sorts of different positions. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised to have a lot of movement. Mm. Um, it'd be nice to have, um, yeah, a bit of a change around. And I just don't see this. I just don't see this team working in its current format. I think there needs to be a lot of work on it. And yeah, it's you know Sam was Sam. Um, Sam sixty seven was saying you know he wants a strong mobile forward who knows where the back of the net is. I think that's something you've been saying quite yeah, consistently yeah. for a while. Dom Kirby said left back striker keeper. Everyone's saying different positions. Um, Rob Jones says he'd like to see Beckles play at centre back with Sadler. Mm, yeah, uh, or he maybe was good when he came on on, on yeah. Stoke actually. Beckles, I thought. Yeah, maybe play Beckles and Waterfall, but I think it's going to be an interesting January transfer window, and hopefully a lot to come in and goings. Um, I'd expect the squad to be smaller when we finished as well. Yeah, I think he's going to be maybe quite brutal. Um, it was interesting, I was talking to someone who, who normally has a bit of an inside line to the football club and they were saying that Ed, um, that Ricketts is very much of the opinion that he wants to bring in quality and he will be looking at players that are maybe a little bit outside of our budget normally, which is interesting. You think you might have asked that question before he got given the job, but there's obviously a drive to bring in more quality players than we might have had before and particularly players with experience. Just something I heard on Saturday that I found quite interesting. So it'd Isn't be worth that what managers do? Paul Hurst did it, wouldn't he? Every yeah. manager always yeah. tries um, to try and push the club to try and... Um, and obviously that's Brian and Brian and the chairman's job to then rein him in. But maybe we can you know, have... Rather than having lots of players, we can have a smaller squad. Um, and we've got quite a few youth players hanging around as well. So it'd be interesting to see if, like, if Emmanuel goes um, and we keep Sears as a backup right back. But I think it's going to be interesting, isn't it, Glenn, as we go through. So, yeah, please feel to kind of share your thoughts as we go through the January transfer window, especially as the, these changes come and go. So, yeah, hopefully there'll be a lot of um, breaking news coming through, Glenn. Yeah, the podcast over the next few weeks are going to be pretty transfer heavy, aren't they? But well, the last thing I was going to say on Ricketts is I think that from, from you know my vibe of it, is that we won't see it'll be the first transfer window a new manager's had for a long time where he doesn't bring in a player from his old club I don't think we'll see one Wrexham player come anywhere near this football club for, for a while um, and he hasn't managed long enough to have no, lots of exactly. players either yeah. like Paul so, Hurst did that'll be slightly different but yeah it'll be interesting to see what sort of quality loan players he can get in and uh, you know will he, will he go back to Wolves that's the one thing you think will be quite an interesting thing to look at and has he still got contacts at Hull um, Bolton you know, Hull well he's he talking about for. Celtic and all sorts yeah. of things so yeah hopefully that hopefully his links and his connections can um, can work some miracles for us it can good players in yeah it'd be worth because I think the, let's be fair this season now is about making the most of this season um, and looking forward to next season, really. I know we're, I know we're only in January now, but let's be honest, you know, we're not going to go up, are we? So no. it is about a bit of long-term planning now. And obviously avoiding relegation, because we are in a relegation battle. Let's not forget that. Yeah, having seen this team over the last few weeks, I, there is a very, very good possibility they might not get 50 to 55 points just purely for not lack of goals um, so you know we do need to strengthen because there's a possibility this is the team that could get relegated as sad as that sounds so yeah we'll, we'll have to see how, how Ricketts gets on um, and, and wish him the best in the transfer market but yeah we'll wrap this podcast up now Ollie. I suppose the last thing to cover is predictions I actually got it right last week um, I we went did. for a 1-1 draw um, you're having so, a good yeah. season I'm doing it better than, than I thought I was a few weeks ago. I've got picked up recently. But yeah, you went for a 2-1 win. So you weren't that far off, actually, to be honest. We were both pretty pretty. So confident. Holloway actually. had taken that chance. Exactly. Yeah, cost you. So yeah, last thing, I suppose, is looking forward to this week. We've got two games. We've got the Czech trade at Port Vale, which I won't be going to. And I suspect you won't be either. Will you probably watch it on iFollow or not? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Depends if we've got a new player in on Monday. You'd be wanting yeah. to see him sort of start, wouldn't you, or something. But um, So yeah, the chance to progress in that. And uh, yeah, good, I suppose that, that might happen. Um, Port Vale are not great this season. And then we've got, I think we've got Charlton at home next Saturday. I didn't actually look this up. I'm pretty sure that's true, though. Um, yeah, you're right, Glenn. We've yeah. got um, on 12th, Saturday the 12th, we've got Charlton at home, 3 p.m. kickoff. There we um, go. So, 
yeah, Charlton are a good team. Um, this mm. is a tough one. I'm not sure. I think they, I think they got they they played Sunderland they drew the weekend. Stoke. Didn't they? Yes. Sorry, oh. drew with Stoke. We drew with Stoke. They drew with Sunderland. Yeah, so that's a pretty decent one result one. for them. So we we could do with beating them. They're after everything they won last season as well. I mean, obviously we had we had the better of it, but I I, I wouldn't like them to beat us home and away this season. It would feel a bit rubbish wouldn't it so um it's gonna be a tough game though um and the way we're playing so i think a lot of it depends on if there's any strengthening happening this week and whether you know dave edwards is suddenly available to play next week it's pretty hard to judge during the transfer window isn't it but i'll, I'll go for us to at least get a point out of it so i'll, I'll go another one one draw ollie yeah i was gonna go one all as well yeah go for it um, but i'm not gonna beat you by doing that so <laughs> i'm gonna go for a 2-1 win for charlton okay um, and Ooh. even 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 name something i'm gonna say that um yeah, Johnny Wilkinson, not Johnny Wilk, Johnny, uh, what's his name, who signed, yeah, Johnny Williams, sorry, who's the Welsh yeah, midfielder, signing for him. So they signed from Charlton, so maybe yeah. he'll have a bit of a star of the show, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lost this game, Look, just looking at the league table alone, I'm sure the bookies will have um, Carlton, Charlton as favourites. Yeah, okay, if you're going predicting goal scorers, I'm going for a 1-1 draw with a day. Oh, I'm not saying he's going to score, I'm just saying header. he's going to run the show. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Good stuff. Well, there we go. It's another week done. Um, and yeah, we've got you know more games, two games again next week. It's relentless time of the season, isn't it? So um, yeah, uh, thanks for listening, and we shall catch you all next Sunday. Cheers, guys. Oh!